Sunday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can follow me at the Dan Urban. You can follow the podcast at Couchside Judges, and you can subscribe wherever you listen. And if you like what you hear, please give us that five-star review. And as always, we talk judging in MMA. You shall read the criteria. You can find it at abcboxing.com. Dan, we are back. Uh, it's been an eventful past few days for me, as you know, and maybe some yes. of our listeners know. Oh, yeah. Hurricane Ida was a, was a beast of a storm. Yeah, I mean, we only got the remnants of it, right? Yeah, the, the final the final bits of it. Yeah, they, they, still did, uh, they still did a real number on my basement. I, I took on... My basement's not exactly level, so in the corner, I got about three and a half inches, but there are certain parts of the basement that were completely untouched and it was impressive that is uh yeah water water can do a lot of damage yeah still uh still running dehumidifiers right now actually to try and dry out a little bit of the drywall and hopefully avoid mold and and having to replace anything yeah mold's not good no they they say it's actually not good for you at all yeah so uh let's let's see if these dehumidifiers do their job and dry out my basement (laughs) hopefully they do but yeah, as a result, I wasn't able to watch the full event for UFC uh, on Saturday live. I had to catch everything kind of in in rerun mode or, you know, on, on rewatch, I guess, because they started early. It was uh, it was unexpected. I mean, I knew I knew it was coming in. It was going to be. But I don't know until like the day before. I'm like, what time am I supposed to watch this? It's like, oh, it's at two o'clock. Man. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get to watch it live either, but not because I, I was. Uh... In your situation, I I was at the Rutgers home opener getting right on. How was that? And I was getting sunburnt. My voice may crack a little bit because I was screaming. Um, That's all right. I'm getting over a cold. Actually, actually, I'm kind of still have it a little bit. So yeah, I think I I might lose. Might not have a voice in the morning. We'll see. Good thing we're doing this today, huh? Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, we've uh, obviously we've got fights to talk about. But for a change, Dan, we really don't have too many rounds to break down. No, it's a good. Good unanimous or, or unified or uh, all in sync judging. The judges were on the same page for this one. They didn't have as many rounds to score as I think they typically do. Usually at these Apex events, there were I think there were fewer fights, but also typically you end up with somewhere around 25, 27-ish rounds turned in, scored rounds. And they only had 17 from this event, but 15 of those were all three judges being on the same page. Yeah, it's solid. That's a really high percentage. That's that's a really good uh, job by the judges. Now, sometimes this is, you know, clear cut rounds. Lot not as much to really debate there, but at the same time, they got on the same page. This is what we want. I I think I think you got to call out good judging when it happens. Yeah, of course. So shout out to all the judges who were at uh, the Apex on Saturday. Nice work. Before we get into those uh, two rounds, those two straggler rounds, which were both in the same fight, uh, to kick off the show. We'll save our contested rounds for a little bit. We've got, you know, some interesting things that kind of happened out of this event, right? Derek Brunson took care of business in the main event, submitting Darren Till via rear naked choke in round three, Dan. I believe you picked Darren Till to win. Is that right? In round three, I did. In round three. Okay, so you got yeah, the round, right? Very I got good. the round. and You got to get the person, though. That's the thing. I didn't get the person, but I thought, I, I mean, he almost did until he didn't. I, can't, I mean, I don't want to say Darren Till quit, but it seemed like such a heartbreaker after he hurt Brunson in the third round. 
and then basically put himself in bottom mount, and he it was just you know soul crushing because he you know he was doing well that round until that point, and then the rear naked choke was applied so fast, and the tap came so fast after it makes you wonder a little bit, but. You're also neglecting to mention the fact of how quickly and easily he gave up his back that, once down yeah, there. That's an, I mean, yeah. That, I that think... the back uh, turning over, that looked to me a little bit too much like, uh, you know, not, I'm not saying Darren Till gave up. Someone else wants to, that's fine. I'm not saying that, but I am saying he made a very critical mistake that I think he would probably know better than to do. And I think at that point, maybe a little bit of exhaustion and frustration sets in and you're making some big mistakes. Yeah, it, it seemed like uh, his fighting spirit was crushed. So you should have had some Modelo for that. <laughs> yeah, you should. <laughs> I didn't have any Modelos. I didn't have anything to drink today. I was designated no, well, driver. Well, you know me. I don't drink time. anyway. So. It was still good, except for getting sunburned all day. Hey, who won the Rutgers game anyway? Uh, Rutgers blew them out 61-14. to 14. Who was this? Temple. Ow. All right. Yeah, it was yeah, a, it was sense. a warm up game. I mean, the first big game of the year. They should probably be three and zero heading into play Michigan in week four. But are you a Rutgers fan or are you just no? Going? I'm a Michigan fan. Well, I'm a Michigan's oh. Michigan's my Big Ten team. I, Georgia's my SEC team. I don't really have any other college teams that I, I care too much about. I root for Rutgers if they're not playing Michigan. I see. Yeah, I don't really care about college football. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it the is only, the only thing I want out of college football is one of the non power conference teams to get into the college football playoff and then win. That's that's literally my only college interest. You got a shot with Cincinnati. They're pretty solid. Every year there's a shot, and then it doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. No, well, they're expanding it. So, well, they they're planning on expanding it. To not this year. Teams. Yeah, when not when they year. do, I'm. I'll you, tell you what. See. They make it an 18 playoff, or or you know, God willing, a 16 team playoff. It's going to 12 if they you, do. That's the proposal. T- 12, I would even be okay with. I will be much much more interested in that playoff format. I would I would actually start to really pay attention. Yeah, I mean I don't want to turn this into a college football uh podcast, but the the Power 5 is dying. Like the Big 12 is almost collapsed. So it's not even like a Power 5 anymore. It's going to be uh all these other schools that they're applying to get into the Power uh uh conferences. It's going to be a whole big re revamping of, of the whole system. Yeah, in the next I, few years, I, so. I could I could weigh in more, but I I I do want to try and steer it back to yeah. uh UFC mixed martial arts because you know, college football is not my thing, and, and it's probably not your thing either if you're listening. Maybe it is, but, you know, there are other podcasts out there that will serve your purposes. You tuned in to listen to us talk about fights and the fact that maybe, just maybe, his fighting spirit was gone, Darren Till, uh, and he needed a Modelo to recharge. <laughs> Where does this leave Derek Brunson, though? Is In your eyes, forget about, forget about what's actually going to happen. Forget about what Dana White's going to do. Did Derek Brunson earn a title shot in your eye? It's hard to say because 185 is just so top heavy, full of contenders. How I, how can I say that Darren t- uh, that uh, Derek Brunson deserves his shot more than Jared Cannonier, or that Jared Cannonier deserves it more than Derek Brunson? Which brings me to the point: I think those two should fight in a title eliminator and make it easy. Because it, here's the thing: because both of them deserve the title shot. Are they going to get it? Who knows? But if they both decide to sit out until they get it, they could be sitting out well over a year. I would be curious to see what happens there. But I do I do think, in my estimation, Derek Brunson has earned that second crack at the title. What would be his first? Not, not second crack at the title. Second crack, second crack at, crack at Adesanya. Yeah. First crack at the title. I mean, the first, the first fight was just so lopsided, but it's been three years or four years maybe. 
uh, it wasn't by that the time they fight sided though is the thing like when you're watching the round as I actually did had the chance to watch this recently um, like a couple months ago and I was there live for it but you're watching it from a different angle and that kind of thing but um, when I watched this again recently Brunson was doing okay and then obviously he clearly wasn't because Adesanya really hurt him um, and ended that fight but Brunson has fought a little bit better to his skill set, I think, in recent years. I think he's he's taken advantage of the thing, he, even against Darren Till. There were moments where he was in quite a bit of danger on his feet. Yeah, like that third round. I mean, and then that brings me back. You know, that's why I think Till uh, he, he he crumbled. But uh, and I don't think Adesanya that would happen to him. And I think he would be able to get the finish. He wouldn't get so excited about hurting him the way Till did. And I think it would probably much go much of the same way. I don't necessarily disagree that it would go any differently, but also, yes, Jared Cannonier is a fresh challenger, and I do like fresh challengers to get the shot. I just don't know if Jared Cannonier necessarily gets it on the strength of his win compared to Derek Brunson on the strength of his several wins in a row now. Yeah, they, I he's think put together a very, very nice, powerful streak here. He's he's been the underdog in each fight. They mentioned that. Oh yeah, everybody keeps uh, underestimating him, and and I mean, I picked him to win. I, you know, I got the I got the guy right in my. Pick. That's good. You got it right. I just didn't get the round. I don't <laughs> think so. But I, don't I think remember I, what my round and what it was. I probably said decision. Did you? I know. I thought I, you, I thought you said a finish. Uh, I mean, I just I, make picks and then they go into the ether. So someone else will tell me what I had. The thing is, obviously, Whitaker's next. I I I like Cannoneer and Brunson. You know, fighting for the next shot. I don't think Vittori Costa. That's that's next month, I believe. Neither one of them is remotely close to another title. They just, shot. they Absolutely just, not. they both got smoked in their shot. I mean, I don't Costa think, more I don't so think than Marvin Vittori ever gets a sniff of the title again, as long as Adesanya has it. Yeah, he probably won't agree to that. And he already smashed Costa, so I, I don't see either one of those really, really getting you know any consideration over these other two guys. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. But in my mind, yeah. If you're asking me, did Brunson earn a title shot? I say yes. I think he earned it, um, but I also think Cannoneer has quite a quite a stake too. So, but what about Darren Till? Can he ever bounce back to, into title contention? Because obviously, all these fights that they've been booking for him over the last couple years have been with the mind of trying to fast track him to a title shot because they really like this kid. They think they can market this kid, and he kind of keeps on disappointing. Disappoints. I mean, but he. I don't think he had that bad a showing against Whitaker. I thought, you know, that was that was pretty close fight. Oh yeah, absolutely. That, that was a very close fight. But he, he was in it, know. and I, a lot of people could tell you that he won the fight. And, and I think it was a split decision. I believe I remember talking about that fight uh, on our show. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, you could make an argument that that he won absolutely. But so he has nights where he he's good. This wasn't one of these nights, except for the, the split second in the third round. There's a myth with. Darren Till that people just think he's gonna go in and and just crush guys because he's you know he's just like a knockout guy. He doesn't really finish a whole lot of guys. Like he's got power, he's got good striking, but he also isn't really the type that's like always stopping people. So if you're gonna if you're someone who thinks Darren Till is going to win this fight, realistically, are you sitting there like a general? Like when I say this fight, I mean like any fight. Are you sitting there saying I think Darren Till is going to win by knockout? Or are you saying, I think he's going to win by decision? The smartest play there is that he's going to win a decision. He's going to win on points, even though he can finish guys. And he did have Brunson hurt and in trouble. But Brunson also has that 
you know, that trump card where he can take you down and turn the tide. Because he's, he, I mean, he kind of just swallowed Darren Till on the ground. Oh, yeah. Once, yeah, on the ground, it was, it was all, all Brunson, elbows, good ground and pound, smashing. And I think Till, I mean, he's got to know what to do there. He just didn't, like, I, there's obviously something in either his training or his ability to soak up lessons that that's kind of lacking here. He needs to find I mean, it's, a way but, to rectify that, whether whether it's with the same people working better or going somewhere else to to work on skills that he's not adapting to well enough. Because if he's just going to get taken down, you know, there's going to be a few guys that can just stop him. You know, Mar- if Marvin Vittori fights Darren Till, uh, even Marvin Vittori, I could totally see him taking him down. Yeah, take him down and just beat up on him. Maybe a choke mm-hmm. him out again. I don't know. I don't think I don't think Till bounces back. I think he's out of title contention. He's probably gonna, you know, he'll have probably a couple good wins in the future, I think. But more of just a yeah, guy, I, I agree. Guy I people think get excited probably, about. I think he was probably fast tracked a little bit too much on the title shot at welterweight mm-hmm. because he got that close win over Wonder Boy and they were able to build off of that. And he really didn't have a, a, an incredible resume up until that point. So they were able to kind of fast track him there. People he was the he was the favorite over Woodley. <laughs> Oops. And that was the last time anybody thought that or not that anybody thought Woodley should win, but that was the last time Woodley actually looked decent. But that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Uh my short answer is can Darren Till bounce back into title contention? I say no. Um yeah, no. What about Tom Aspinall? Here's co main event winner, heavyweight, looks great out there. What's his ceiling? I think he could be champ one day. Uh, I think he has the right mindset. He doesn't want to rush it, even though in the division he's in, he's going to get pushed into you know these really tough fights probably yeah, sooner than is, he I mean, wants. He's so. winning enough fights that he's going to have to get a little bit more of a challenge. I think. I mean, I, yeah, he's he doesn't. I don't think you need to rush him because there's enough blockage at heavyweight anyway. He, Although maybe everybody gets an interim uh, championship belt. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, his skill set, he's, he, he evolves good. Uh, he's got good ground game, good uh, good stand-up, as we saw on Saturday. It's real hard. He just hits so hard. I, I think he's a, probably the top prospect. And then you got Dawkins right behind him as the two guys. I know, you're very, you're very high on Dawkins, Chris I Dawkins. mean, three... three right? it's, it's Chris is the heavyweight. Kyle's the middle. Yeah, three, three knockouts in your first three UFC fights. I know it's heavyweight, but still pretty solid. You just like your CFFC. But I'm telling you, these two are going to fight eventually. There's just no avoiding it. And it won't be for a belt. It'll be for an interim belt. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. There's going to yeah. be three interim, <laughs> three interim belts going at once. No, by then there will be six. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but I'm I'm very high on Aspinall, too. I He impressed me even from the get-go in the UFC. Once I finally got laid eyes on him and got to see him perform, I'm like, this kid's, he's, there's something here. He's good. I got that feeling from him early. I don't know that he's necessarily going to be the champion one day, but I think he's very much going to be a mixed, you know, in that mix competing for the title, maybe possibly for years. Yeah, I think he's just going to be a fixture of the top of division, depending on, you know, factors and everything. But I really like the kid. I, I'm I'm excited to see what he does uh, from here. What about the other scouser on this card who was drawing a lot of attention? Patty Pimblett. Finally making his way to the UFC. He's an, he's a guy that I had heard a lot about uh, because of Cage Warriors, but I hadn't really gotten a chance to watch him too much. So this was really my first opportunity to watch Patty Pimlet get in there and fight. And well, let me ask you, what what are your thoughts about? Uh, obviously, he got the uh, he got the win 
by it was I forget if it was TK or knockout, but same difference um, over Luigi Vendramini. What did you think of Patty Pimlet? What were your impressions of him? Well, first I was like, oh, that's the kicker from the replacements. No, actually, DC nailed it when he said young Owen Hart. Oh, yeah, you can see Owen Hart in that, too. Mm -hmm. He's not a nugget. (laughs) Rest in peace, Owen. (laughs) All right. Uh, My first impression of of Patty Pimblett is that he is going to be a Donald Cerrone. He's going to have some good highlights, and I think he's going to have some good low, uh, his fair share of lowlights in in his UFC career. He can get better, but, I mean, uh, he got rocked, got hit with some good shots in that fight. And if he doesn't fix it, I think that's where it's going to gonna go he's gonna be the guy that racks up a ton of bonuses but never any titles i like him as a prospect i don't want to see him be rushed just because he's charismatic and everything like that i i would be interested to let this kid develop a little bit i, th- I think he's you know he, he had a he had a one or two losses uh coming into this one too so it's not like he's you know coming in an unbeaten uh prospect or anything like that but he was definitely losing that fight to vendramini at least the first round he got he got hit real hard. He took a good punch from Vendramini. I'll give him that. He took it and he kind of rolled enough with it. But he was he was a little wobbly. But then he really showed some excellent killer instinct when he had Vendramini hurt. And he just swarmed. And you do like to see that. Yeah, it was exciting. I don't know what he is. I'm, I'm not going to say he can't be champion. I'm not going to say he's going to be champion. I don't think that's the conversation to have with this guy right now. Because as much as people seem to think he's farther along than he is i see a prospect this is what i see i see somebody who's got work to do he just he ought to work his way up if you rush him i don't know what's going to come out of that so um but i was i was impressed with his finishing ability there that that much i'd like to see as long as he continues to like you said kind of round out some of those holes yeah and if he doesn't some of those punches that land are going to put him out so oh yeah for sure I think you're right. I think he's somebody actually who's probably going to take one or two losses along the way, even if he can get all the way to the top. I just don't see him being this meteoric ride. He's not going to be Conor McGregor. No, definitely not. I mean, Conor was also this gigantic person for 145 pounds. Yes. So that he had that going for him. Then eventually he just didn't want to or couldn't make the weight anymore. Well, he just didn't want to defend a belt. Or that, yeah. <laughs> I want it. It's mine now forever. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you can't lose it if you don't defend it. But then he lost them both by not defending them. Well, he was stripped of them. but never That's, that's still losing them. But never lost them in the cage. That's true. He did so. show up to the press conferences with both belts. <laughs> and a whole lot of whiskey. You know, I don't like that thing that they get, like, that they get a whole brand new belt for each defense or each defense of their. Uh... You know, you know, that started with Mighty Mouse, right? Really? Yeah, he wanted his belts. See, I don't like that. I mean, you. I believe it was him. I mean, maybe it was DC. I could swear it was him, though. But no, I, I like the idea of it. There's one belt for each division. You lose it, you never see it again until you win it back. Like you can't. No, keep, man, you can't I don't keep like it that. On your, you can't keep it on your mantle. No, I don't like that at all. I, I think once a champ, always a champ. You don't think Randy Couture deserves to have a championship belt on his mantle? But he lost it. You don't think BJ Penn deserves to have it on his mantle? But he lost it. There should be one belt. No, I don't it's, like that. It's the belt. Otherwise, it's just another belt. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you I don't know necessarily that Mighty Mouse needs to have one belt for every time he defended it. That that much I would say. But I would say if you won the championship in the UFC, you yeah. deserve to have that belt for life. That's your belt. I think it would be added. I'm okay with that. Added motivation to not lose it. But eventually, you're going to like you can't keep it forever. Hey, retire then. 
So, so if you retire, you get to keep the belt forever. Is that what we're saying? Well, yeah, you retire as the champ. So, like, so then Khabib they got to keep his belt yeah, under Khabib, your. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, Khabib doesn't lose his belt. He never lost it. He retired as champ. I don't like it. I veto. Hey, not everyone likes everything. That's true. I've got some weird ideas too. Uh, speaking of ideas, though, I, I think we should both weigh in on something that I, a lot of people were talking about when this happened, and and I saw a lot of fighters, a lot of coaches, uh, a lot of people like this weighing in on what? how they felt about. Wait one sec. Yeah, just, what do you got? just came to me. If you, if you don't defend your belt minimum three times a year, then you lose. You you only get one, and then you lose it. <laughs> that's that's the stipulation. But the UFC doesn't even want to do that. Like, that's the thing that you've got to forget. You, you need to keep hey. in mind about this. It is the UFC's decision that these guys don't fight three, four times a year. Well, then the UFC they should lose the belt. They don't want to. They should lose the belt then. The UFC should lose it. <laughs> so everybody gets a belt? Yeah. All right. I mean, that's fine with me. But yeah, back to what I was going to say, though. Everybody's been weighing in on this. Khalil Roundtree. One by TKO. Oblique kick over Modestus Bukowskis. It was pretty ugly. Uh yeah, he went down, and and obviously there is something wrong with the knee now of uh, Bukaskis. What do you think of this kick? Is it something that should be outlawed, or do you think it's it's fine? It is absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, you learn to defend it and counter it. It's 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 a strike. Are we going to – I mean, it's the same thing with 12 to 6 elbows. Those should not be illegal just because of the perceived idea that they're stronger than some other kind of elbow. Well, yeah, that that is that is purely perception, um, at least in my opinion. Um, I don't I don't see any reason why a twelve to six elbow is any different than an eleven to eleven to five elbow. I guess right yeah, block, right? Yeah, that's goofy. Like the the idea that just tilting your arm a little bit to the side makes it not quite not damaging enough that it's it's it should be legal. That is just stupid. This strike, I used to be like, okay, fine. But I think this is the first time I really saw it in a UFC fight where somebody lost because of it and their knee got messed up. And it's kind of changing my mind. I I don't I don't know about it. I I'd be okay if ABC got together and said, "No, you can't you can't do a bleak uh, kick anymore." I mean, then you're gonna have to go look into the whole thing of all right. Well, fine. Uh, re- knee reaping is is out now because that's the same. It makes the same motion to the to the knee. So you, now you now you can't reap the knee. So now. You, People are going to be less likely to attack heel hooks. Leg locks are going to be less and less likely. I mean, uh, more so than they already are. I mean, it's a, it's a, a game that that's becoming more involved in, in all aspects of the sport: MMA, grappling, everything. And now all of a sudden, that's going to be done away with. I get what you're saying. I do think it's a little bit different. I I think there's levels to it, and I, I think this kick in particular. I think it's okay to outlaw it because it's not one that needs to be thrown. I mean. It's really just, it truly is just there as a means to, to injure and nothing else. I mean, they're fighting. I get it. I mean, is it any more dangerous than kicking someone in their head with your shin, knocking them unconscious? Well, yeah. I mean, you're talking about head trauma is, is obviously terrible in and of itself. I understand. I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough debate. I, but I mean, I've seen enough people in the fight game who understand these strikes much better than me. They don't want to bother to learn. Eric Nick, sick, you know, people people like this who really understand the way this works, and they're not really big fans of it either. Well, yeah, because because you you don't want to throw it in training, but you shouldn't be throwing head kicks in training, really, either. You don't throw elbows in training because you don't want to cut your partner. No, I mean I get it. it, It's it. They just they don't want to have to deal with it. That's pretty much. Izzy defends this beautifully. Step back, 
return with your own kick. Is it dangerous? Yeah, but the entire sport is is a fight. It's dangerous. Henry Hooft weighed in saying uh, it's a it's a career ending injury. He, he agrees that maybe it's not the type of thing to keep in the sport. Uh, although I, I love the follow up from Joe Schilling uh, saying disgusting uh, SHI, you know, Joe Schilling of all people after what we saw. They don't think they want to deal with it. I don't blame him. It's it's a tough thing. I I think I'm I'm changing my opinion on it. I, I wouldn't mind seeing it illegal outlawed. And I'd rather see more things become, you know, just legal knees to the head soccer kicks. Yeah, actually, some of that stuff I'm more OK with. It's, it's funny. It's like, I, I, I would I would be OK with certain things like that. I mean, you hurt your knee. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad injury. I mean, it's a bad injury. You might not come back from it, but you might not come back from uh, getting your head kicked off. It's true. And some people like, don't come back. So but I don't know. I mean, you know what you're getting into when you when you when you go to the fight. It's not like sure. it, he threw it a bunch of times. Yeah, just no, so that's happened true. It, I mean, he, it was there. He should have been able to defend it, but I don't know. I I'm I'm changing my mind on it right now. But who's to say that you you throw a, a proper light kick, you can get the same result. The light sure. can bend the same way. But this is the only purpose of that kick. It's a good purpose. It's, it won him the fight. It's like that. You're. I mean, I, if I go, in, if I'm going in to fight somebody. I am going to be trying to hurt them. That sure, is in a street like, fight, you can do anything. So, I can kick you in the nuts. Even, even an MMA poke fight. You in the eyes, I can do anything like that. But this is, it is sport, you know? It. I mean, you, you're, it's a fight, though. At the end of the day, it's a fight. You're, fight sport. You, you are trying to inflict the most damage you can on your opponent. That's how you win. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I've changed my mind on it. But I, I think you and I are just going to agree to disagree on this one. Yeah, I, got, I mean, you get hurt in a fight. I mean, you took the fight. I'm sorry happens i think we've kind of covered that topic but we can move on now to our two contested rounds both of which came in the curtain jerker between mark andre barrio and dalcha langambula barrio won by unanimous decision 30 27 and a couple 29 28 but it was the two separate rounds one and two which were split in each case of course barrio was the winner of the round two judges to one well let's start with round one dan what happened here I thought it was a pretty close round. Uh, I don't think Barry Elt landed all that great, but I do think he landed better. Uh, Lung Jambula, uh, a lot of what he was throwing seemed to be landing on the gloves. Uh, he did have a couple that got through, uh, plus he had that strong hip toss, which was high impact. I, I could see an argument for it, but I ended up going for Barry Elt, 10-9. I did too. I thought that ultimately the effectiveness of the grappling, the, the hip toss notwithstanding, didn't really boost the argument for Lung Jambula enough, and I did think Barry Elt was landing you know, a little more often, a little more effectively. And I went that way too. Uh, so, you know, you and I ended up on the same side here. Uh, Derek Cleary and Brian Miner were our judges who agreed with you and I. Sal D'Amato was the dissenting judge uh, in this one. But yeah, I mean, not crazy to go that way. And in this fight in particular, I noticed a lot of times where there was obstructed views for one reason or another uh, for the judges. It, it seemed like several, especially in round two, uh, I noticed a point where Derek Cleary is like struggling to look around uh, both the post because he's seated at, at one of those uh, door panels, which always stink for a judge, I would have to think. And also battling with, with is the referee going to get in the way or not? So it just the, me, this this fight actually highlighted for me pretty well that, man, it could be hard to judge live because and I haven't done that yet. And I look forward to it, but. It's just something that people at home don't really think about because there's going to be times where you don't know how much action you're going to get in that round. What if someone walked in front of you the moment the strikes that were the most important 
were thrown and landed. It, it's tough. I now I, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I always I always debated this with myself. Sure, what do you got? And uh, so it's really not really a debate because it's the two voices in my head going back and forth. That uh, is debate. I suppose it's just would if they seated the judges like the tennis judge oh, above in, a, in an elevated chair an elevator would that be better or would that would that take away well we'll of course grant the caveat that there is zero chance that this would ever happen because it would get in the way of spectators and yeah i just don't see enough people in the sport caring about the judges but I, that's just that's just the, the god's honest truth i think we know that the judges are the ones that people think of absolutely the least and i think that includes on the regulatory side <laughs> Or if you just like you know how the the cameraman they have those little you know step stools they step over like maybe sure. maybe if they let the judge stand on one of those and like a corner that would actually so be really have... entertaining to try and watch like uh, like like Ron McCarthy's like trying to look over and be like hey what's going on over here and then he like moves his like little stool over and he gets to look again <laughs> yeah but I'm just saying would would it would it help or would it not help I don't know because we because we get the view kind of of what I'm talking about at home. Because mm-hmm. that's the way the camera angle is. I, well, here's where it, here's where it would be problematic, as I'll tell you. Um, just the simple fact that these judges now they have monitors in front of them. So if they're going to be obstructed long enough, or they're going to you know have a view, let's say away from the cage, and they're in a grappling situation, they can look at the video monitor, and that will enhance what they are able to see. I don't know how feasible that's going to be if they're in some sort of elevated position, like like you're kind of suggesting. Well, yeah, well, you just bring the monitor with them. Yeah, but what are they going to do? Hold up the monitor? Like, what are they holding? A TV screen? A tablet? What? Yeah, a tablet. I think it's problematic. But I like what you're thinking. I, I like outside-the-box thinking, man. I do enjoy this. Yeah. I don't know. I've always had that t- thought in my head. It's not, it's not the worst idea. But honestly, what we really need is just, I think the judges ought to not be seated at panels that have doors on them. Or I've had another thought, actually. Okay, what do you got? What if we did away with a cage that has to have that corner panel to hold it together, and now it's just clear? We now have plexiglass around the octagon. Or what if they invented a real smart cage? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, PFL should never have any judging issues because they're a cage you can see right through it. It's, yeah. There's no obstructions. It's a smart cage. Yeah. TM. <laughs> what a, what a, and their ghost cam, by the way, the ghost cam that sees through the cage. So you can't even see the cage, even though I can totally see the cage. Yeah. They spent all that money on that camera. And, and the ref cam. will see the cage. The ref cam's great. I, I have nothing bad to say about that. Really? I don't want it the whole fight. That would make me sick. But like at certain moments. I like replays. Really... Replays with yeah. the ref cam. Yeah, that's where I want it. Yeah. Not, no live action with it. No, no, that's a horrible idea. But they but do, a, but know. they do do live action with it. <laughs> you said do do. <laughs> All right, let's get the I round mean, two. I, I want to use like the pride style uh, of the of the can the the ref cam, right? I don't even remember the pride one. I I haven't watched I'm, the pride sure event in a it. while. It's been a while. Now I'm I'm now I'm almost saying to myself, was it pride or was it a different Japanese promotion? Uh, but I could swear pride did it. Gosh, I gotta. I watched like all the pride fights many years ago and I haven't found a reason to go back to it. And I feel like I should just because I think I watched a hoist Gracie fight from pride. Not what, too like long you recently ago. or what? what like, are you like it just a, it was like scrolling through like on YouTube or Instagram or something that was uh, that showed up against that really enormous guy where he almost plotted him. Oh, Akibono. Yeah, that's right. That was technically not pride. 
Oh, it was still the greatest finish in MMA history. <laughs> it was K1 Premium 2004 Dynamite, their uh, their annual show in 2004. That's basically Pride. Uh, I mean, it's not, but that's okay. It's basically the same thing. <laughs> uh, anyway, we got to get back to this fight. We got to finish off this round here. Round two. What happened in round two of Barrio Lungi and Bula? Uh, Barrio's up in the pressure, landing a bit more than he did in round one. I don't think I still don't think they're all too heavy, but you know they're cleaner than anything when Jamboda's landing. Uh, he's continuing to land on the gloves and coming up empty a ton. A few solid ones get through uh, during the round, but not enough for me. I, mean, I don't have a problem if someone went for him, but I'm going 10-9 Barrio. Yeah, this is a much more action-oriented round, but I think once you start to get to the point where you've got 30-ish strikes, significant strikes landed on either side. I feel like it, it gets very challenging to kind of keep track of, okay, where are we at here? Because there's a lot happening here. If you have only a little bit to score or a lot to score, I feel like there's challenges there as as a judge. But, you know, I, I, you get the general sense of who's landing the more effective strikes. And I do think this is Barrio. I think he's he's landing with greater impact, greater effect. And yeah, Lumbian Bullies is just not landing clean enough. I don't even think he was landing. Frequently I enough. mean, that I think those numbers are wrong because it didn't seem like he was landing all that much. He seemed like he was coming up empty a ton. I think he's landing more um, than you think. I, I but, would I would disagree with you there. But No, he landed some shots. I'm not saying he didn't. Like that mm-hmm. He had a good uh, uppercut, uh, uppercut right, I think, against the cage. I was like, oh, that's pretty solid. But... For the most part, he's throwing these haymakers in air, just complete air for sure. a lot of the round. And I thought it was more more clearly for Barrio, but you go along Jambota. Or well, I Derek Cleary Jambula. thought it was more clearly for Lugiambula. Yeah. But like you said, he was the judge who saw this round. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's crazy to go either way on this round. Yeah, I'm not going to really kick up a fuss. It's hard. I, I think it'd be hard to sit there and let's... Let's throw ten nine scoring out of the out of the system and say Lumiambula won. You can get there because round one and round two are very close. It's not. It wouldn't have been like some sort of robbery or something like that. You know that word that we don't like. Yeah. But I'm sure if it did go that way, somebody wouldn't like it. So it's a good. Thing. <laughs> it's probably fortunate for uh for Damato and Cleary that neither one of them went for Lumiambula in both rounds, just because I'm sure they get some sort of hate mail at that point. <laughs> and they don't need to because they're great judges. Yeah, don't send hate mail. Yeah, don't do it at all. But like, yeah, that's really it. Just don't do it at all, period. Love one another. But that's all we had. It's so wild. We got to talk a lot about non-judging for most of this show. I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. Not at all. And we do have, you know, just to wrap up as we usually do, you got some finishes here. Five finishes. Three by TKO, two by sub. Two of these finishes came in the first round. Dan, what was your favorite? Well, it probably would have been Brunson had he had to actually work for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of. I mean, Darren Till a little bit. Darren so. Till put himself in bottom out, gave up yes, his back on his own, and then just immediately tapped as kind of like a technique, like a you know, just a formality. It was a little like not exactly the same, but it it kind of reminds me of Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz won. Yeah. There's not, was, I don't think Darren Till was tired, but I think he was frustrated. I mean, we don't have to rehash the conversation, no, but that yeah. was just something that kind of popped in my head. But yeah, so that that probably would have been it had he, he had to fight for it. But uh, mine was Julian Arosa, Darcing, Charles Jordan, perfect, kind of a, 
a bait deal. Like he's like, okay, I'm going to let this guy stand up thinking he's all good. And it's bam, slip the arm through, lock it up and make him go to sleep or tap. And he tapped. I enjoyed that one too. I enjoy the submissions, but I knew you being our submission, uh, not savant connoisseur. Okay. I'll take that submission connoisseur. I, I, I had a feeling you would pick this one. Uh, I went with Tom Aspinall, that right elbow. That smash was awesome. To end Sergey Spivak's night very early. Spivak came in as a late replacement. You know, how ready is he in fighting shape? I don't know. It's not like he's cutting weight at that heavyweight there. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, he's not one that you usually see get out like that. Spivak and Aspinall just laid it to him with that. It, it, you couldn't even see it. I didn't see it as well watching live. Like, I'm like, what? Knock him down. Oh, really? And it took a couple of the replay. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what What actually hit him? And uh, obviously in the replay, especially the, the one from top down where you could really see it. I was okay. like, oh, man, that's a great, great yeah. elbow. Did you see the video of him watching his fight? No. Uh, he, yeah, there's a video of him reacting while he's watching. I think, oh, wow, that was a good elbow. <laughs> <laughs> a man should appreciate his work. Yeah. And that is it for this UFC from Saturday. Looking ahead, Dan, you know what we got coming up at the end of this week? What? Nothing. Oh. None of the big shows, anyway. There's plenty of MMA out there. Not Contender uh, Series. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't find it in me to make time to watch the Contender Series. I just can't. I'm sure the fights are terrific from time to time, but I draw a line. Okay. That's really all it is. I just don't have time for everything. That's fair. That's it. I tell you what, if UFC ran 20 shows a year and then they also did Contender Series, I bet you I'd watch every Contender Series. Well, yeah. But they do 40 shows a year plus Contender Series, I don't have time. It's fair. But I'm glad it's you're lot, excited It's a it. lot, of, lot of content to consume. Yeah, and and I most definitely drew the line at the Ultimate Fighter. That was not happening. <laughs> I would watch every episode of Dana White Contender Series that's ever happened before I would watch the upcoming season of the Ultimate Fighter, unless there's some sort of championship hook or something. Okay. I, I tell you, if there's some sort of carrot on the stick for like that makes it bigger than just someone gets the five figure contract or is it is it five or six? I forget what they do for, for the just, fighter. I'm pretty it, sure yeah, it's, it's the same figure. money since 2005. So season four is more your speed. Season four, which I didn't watch because I wasn't watching at that point. Um, when they introduced uh, the women's divisions like uh, 115 and 125, I watched those when there was. Uh, the flyweights and they were fighting to get the title shot at uh, Mighty Mouse. I was up for all of those. I thought those were very cool. I like that because there's some stakes there. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, this is just a reality show where they also sometimes the guys get signed. It's like, okay, that's fine, whatever. Even and I didn't watch this season, but at least there was a little bit of interest in the season I'm talking about in particular when they did. It was Black Zillions against uh, was an American top. Team? Yeah, okay. When they did that season, even though I didn't watch, I was like, oh, that's a concept. I like the concept there. That was Kamaru's season. Yes. And obviously, we produced a, an amazing fighter out of that. For, yeah. I'm going to say very easily the best fighter that has ever come out of the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, and Luke was on that one, too, I'm pretty sure. I didn't realize that. That's interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's so easy to say that Kamaru Usman is the greatest fighter to come out of the Ultimate Fighter. Just no one else comes close. Kamaru, yeah. Who who off would be the, second? Off the I, top, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing somebody obvious, but off the top of my head, you got Rashad. Actually, you know, you know who I would say is number two? TJ Dillashaw. I mean you, And he didn't even win. 
<laughs> you got Michael Bisping on there. He did uh, very well. I'm not saying there's not good fighters that came out of the Ultimate Fighter. I'm just saying Usman is far and away the best because Usman, he is, yeah. to me, already one of the greatest welterweights of all time. And I don't know that he's actually hit his prime yet. Well, he I can't hit. wait to see what Kamaru Usman can do. He better hit it soon. He's not young. He's not that old, though. I think he's like 34. I mean, unless he's going to fight as long as Randy How Couture old are you, did. sir? I'm 35, but I'm not a professional athlete. That's true. Like how, how many fighters? I mean, Derek Brunson's 37. I can't imagine he's got much longer to go. He just doesn't have as much wear, I think, uh, Kamaru Usman. Yeah, that's good. You know, he hasn't lost. He had a tough fight against Colby. He he won that fight, but it was a tough fight. He's going to have uh, another. And he did finish Colby Covington in round five. Yes, Do you remember when he finish. finished Colby yeah. Covington in round five? That because he most definitely did. Most definitely. And he, I mean, he had to. Well, he was losing, right? He was losing on two, on one card at least, right? Well, if if it wasn't a finish, if if the if uh, referee Mark Goddard had let the fight go another fifty seconds, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say most definitely that Kamaru Usman would have won a decision. So I okay. I get well, yeah. Well, he definitely Colby Covington complain about the finish. Oh God, get over it. Well, even he if lost. He, even if he doesn't get finished, I mean, he's probably it's a potential ten eight situation there because he was exactly very hurt. So yeah, I, I mean, he was gonna win if nothing else uh, a split decision, but I'm. It was a, it was a clear win. Doesn't matter if it was a finish or not, but he got finished. He really did. Uh, he, he did. <laughs> I, just, I mean, you can't say he didn't. I, call it, a spade a spade. Um, but you know, like I said, we've got nothing coming up this but week. In two weeks, UFC will be back. Bellator will be back. They're both going against each other uh, on the same night. Yeah, I don't really. And here's here's the headliners though. I'm just gonna put them out there. UFC's headliner, Anthony Smith against Ryan Spann. Wrong headliner. Two hundred five pounds. What's that? It's a wrong headliner. What's the what it should be? It should be Jim Miller and Nicholas Mata. Well, yes, you would say that. Uh, and then Bellator, their headliner is Yoel Romero and Phil Davis, also at two hundred five pounds. Just pick the fight you're more interested to see of those two. Uh, Jim forget, Miller, who, and forget who's Mata. who's uh, promoting it or whatever. Which of those two fights is more interesting to you? Oh, I'm far and away Bellator's. Yeah, I would agree. Like, and I would say that the rest of the card. I know you're very excited about Jim Miller. I understand. But the rest of the card on both sides, they're not super strong either. I think UFC still has a deeper card, but man, I tell you, if you're just going with headliner, I think Bellator really is is oh, uh, he- ahead of this one. Headliner for sure. I mean, but uh, UFC cards got Armand Sarukian, got Christian Yagos, got Ariane Lipsky, Jim Miller. I do like I the violence queen. She's always she Joaquin always Buckley up. is on this card. So I mean, Jim. No, Mi- I, I'm sure it's going to be a card that look. I'm going to watch the UFC mainly. And then I'm going to definitely want to watch Bellator's uh, headliner. I hope that they don't actually go head-to-head time-wise, the headliners. I think they're going to stagger them. That's just my hope anyway. They most likely we'll will. See. I mean, but PFL didn't stagger nothing against Bellator. That was like, you got to pick one or the other. The one yeah, the one well, they do that by design because I think they're they're trying. If you ask PFL, they will tell you that they're the number two organization. It doesn't matter what you think. That's what they think. I always strive to be number two. <laughs> you can't be number one right now. But uh, anyway, Jim Miller should be headlining. I will I say this, say. though. I, I like that every year the UFC does seem to take a break around the weekend of my uh, wedding anniversary. Oh, that helps so that's you that's nice. Yeah, it does make it a lot easier. Uh, my wife, I think, probably appreciates it. So good job, Zufa. Don't change a thing. <laughs> it's not Zufa no more. It They're Zufa to me. I don't care. <laughs> All right, Dan and I are done. 
Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back again next Monday with something fun. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but we'll, we'll figure something really good out because we've got no live fights that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, no live fights to break down. We'll do something. Absolutely. Take care, everybody. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>